had a, a company, it was a marketing, um, what do you call it, like a marketing consultancy. And like, hey, we have this, this client. Uh, we can't tell you who it is. Um, but we, you know, when you were a magician, like tell me about when you were getting heckled and how do you sell beer to children? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, Brian Miller here, and welcome back to One New Person, the show where we take a closer look at chance encounters to remind ourselves that every interaction is meaningful and every person we meet is important. Today's guest is Tim David, a leadership and influence expert and the New York Times bestselling author of Magic Words, the science and secrets behind seven words that motivate, engage, and influence. I discovered Tim when I noticed his book in the business section of Barnes & Noble. It was just a few months after my TEDx talk combining magic and communication had started to go viral. So you can imagine my surprise when I realized the author was a former magician turned communication specialist, just like me. What were the odds? And he lived only an hour away in New England. I, I couldn't believe it. We connected online and hit it off instantly. I went on to hire Tim as a business coach, which over time morphed into a mutually beneficial personal and professional relationship. I was so psyched to have him visit me at my home studio in Connecticut to chat about all things influence and communication. We discussed techniques to shake people out of their conversational ruts, how to connect with someone you don't understand, all about Tim's brand new book, Flip, The Four Levels of Influencing People, luck and its surprising relation to gratitude and of course tim shares his story of a chance encounter with lasting impact remember to check the show notes on onenewperson.com for related links and additional resources if you find this podcast valuable please consider rating and reviewing it on itunes and sharing it with your friends and colleagues across social media and be sure to use the hashtag one new person all spelled out so we can find you and thank you And now please enjoy this wild and winding conversation with one of America's premier leadership speakers, Tim David. (laughs) I was just thinking about like uh, in the intros, I always say, you know, welcome to one new person. But I had a moment now, just now where I wanted to be like, welcome to two skinny magicians. This is, like, <laughs> <laughs> this is excessive. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm aging out of that category, though. I just you? got back from Barba- Barbados, man. Five days of all-inclusive stuff in my face. Oh, yeah. Was it good? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to be eating a lot tonight. <laughs> well, we're going to go out for sushi. I'm still so you like, yeah. You don't have to eat a lot. I went out with Greg for lunch, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. What'd you guys do for lunch? I, I got like a salad and I ate half of it. That's what I, I just did. I was with a client for, a con, for I was doing a, a you know, a consult or like a, um, you know, a kind of a consulting meeting, like a follow-up on a thing I did with them. And they asked me this morning, they emailed, oh, before you get here, what do you want? We're ordering from wherever. And I just got like a salad and I did mm-hmm. the same thing. I ate half yeah. of it and brought half of it home. And I was yeah. like, do I have to put this in the fridge? Right, this is, right, right. This is lettuce. It's in my car. It's in my car. <laughs> I got some, uh. Tuna. Oh, it's going to smell great when I get yeah. back in there. 90 degree day. <laughs> so she doesn't really save his leftovers. No. I've no. tried Maybe it. Maybe quinoa salad with, uh, with, t- with tuna on top. I'm pretty sure that's going to be a disaster when I open that up. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're off to a good start in this particular conversation. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's start here since I already opened the can of worms about, about magic. I, I actually try to avoid bringing on too many magicians. I don't want it to be like a magician podcast. And I think I only had on one and a half magicians in the first 
in the first season. So I think you'll be our, you're like our token magician so far for the second season. But like, I want to. Can I be the other half? Yeah, you can. You can be the other half. And I want to start there because, of course, you're not a magician anymore. Like, I'm not a magician. I mean, I guess once a magician, always a magician. But the question for me with someone who has an unusual job like I do uh, when I start these things is kind of, you know, these days, if you're at a social gathering, if you just met someone for the first time, and they say that, that silly question that we're all so tired of hearing, if they go, what do you do? What's your answer these days? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm playing around with it. I'm, I'm moving it around. I am, uh, I am now answering that question right now while I'm not a magician. I, I, I'll start with that. <laughs> I literally start with that now. That's a great answer. You know, because what I found is um, the, the moment of what I call the verbal slap. You know, when you, when you shake someone out of that pattern behavior, what do you do? I'm an accountant. Okay, what do I do? And like, there's just a regular pattern. They're not expecting magician. Right. And I've never been able to replace that, you know? Right. So I've come up with a few, you know, attempts at humor. I used to say, well, you mean in addition to being an international bodybuilding champion? (laughs) Obviously, you didn't guess that. Um, You know, so depending on the person, you you feel the situation out. Um, And I think that's an important part of the, quote, technique as well, Mm. is that it has to be a real individual, you know, when, when you ask me, what do you say now? I almost kind of panic because I don't have a canned like go to, I'm just sort of playing around with this. Well, I'm not a magician, you know, I'm no, I'm not, I used to be, but I'm not anymore. Yeah. And that's just this week in Barbados, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking for that. I'm a writer. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Oh, I always wanted to write and everybody has a book that they want to write and they ask you questions about that. Um, I'm a speaker. Oh, I like, like a motivational speaker? Yeah, that's... Nope, I don't want that. <laughs> you know, I don't want that ex- perception. Yeah, right. That They go right to Tony Robbins. Right. And like, nothing against Tony Robbins, but, like, it's a different era and a different style. And, you know, I, I that's exactly... I'm, I, And I ask a lot of folks this who have unusual jobs, but I was so interested to hear your answer because we have such a similar thing. Former magician, now a speaker. Right. But like you said, every time in my career I ever... When someone said, what do you do? You say, I'm a magician people just light up. They're like, what? Right. You know, they're, all right. they want, and they have so many questions and, and only one of them is, can you show me a trick, you know? And, and isn't that why we became magicians, yeah. many of us? So for those who don't know magicians, this may blow your mind, uh, socially awkward, <laughs> right? <laughs> Almost always, A little yeah. bit yeah, yeah. nerdy. Yeah. And, and the story goes, you know, found a magic book, got into it, realized I could make friends. But the making yeah. friends piece is the be- it's the very beginning of that connection, right? It's the very beginning of of uh, of a, um, a, a taking an interest. They take an interest, you know. And when you see someone take an interest in you, uh, you can't go back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have to. So I like like we've talked. We try. How do you replace that? I'm a magician moment. If you're no longer a magician, yeah, right. So it's, I mean, the I'm not a magician doesn't get the oh, that's so interesting. It gets the what the what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> right. it's well, a different kind of, of interest. I'm not. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that's that's so. You called that, and that's a technique from your second book, right? From right. Flip. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll, we'll get to the book like really heavy a little bit a little bit later, but because uh, I, I definitely want to dig into that. But the technique you called it a verbal slap. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, it's that it's that shaking someone out of the 
uh, robot mode so they yeah. can be uh, back in human mode, you know, for a little while. And you can actually break through, get through, connect and uh, begin some form of relationship that isn't networking or it isn't that robotic interaction or whatever that framed, um, you know, normal thing that they're expecting. You just sort of use these words to yeah. shake them out of that, you know? So that's, that's, uh, that's it's been so important. And when it, when it, I, I realized the importance of it when it went away, you know, when I, when people stopped reacting to, I'm a writer. Isn't it interesting that when you lose something like that, you realize, uh, I feel like it's similar for folks who have a, a really high position job and then they either retire or get out of that or whatever, and they don't have the title anymore, CEO of whatever, or, you know, Secretary of Defense or whatever it is. Or defensive lineman. Or, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I was the starting quarterback on whatever. When you lose that and, and then all of a sudden you realize people weren't nearly as interested in you as you thought they were. They were really interested in the title, the job, right? They wanted to know yeah. about that job. And I feel like um, that's why we need to have these follow, like these follow-up questions and, and, and we need to go go deeper than that. And like what you were just saying what, like really rings true for me because I, um, I'm so tired of that question, what do you do? And so when people tell me what they do, my follow-up question is not how did you get into that? Because that's what almost everybody right, asks right. second. And we are all a little tired of telling our own origin stories. Um, my follow-up question is what I, I think you would call a verbal slap, which is I go, what do you love about that? Hmm. And it's just not the question they're expecting. And so they start to be like, well, I... Uh, I actually hate my job. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Do you, what do you well, mean what I love about and it? And so what's interesting, yeah, is that occasionally you get someone who does go, I hate my job. And I go, yeah, but what, what do you like about it? What do you enjoy about it? And, and then they'll, they'll find something and then they'll find a second thing and then they'll find a third thing. Um, so I, I kind of want to, because we've already spent, so, like you, I could feel it from how long we've already talked just about the fact that you don't know how to answer that question. Let's get it deeper. What do you love about what you're doing now? And maybe more to the point, you're a writer, you're a speaker, you're all these different things now. Where do you feel most at home in what you're doing now? Writing. I am. Really? I am. I'm very comfortable on stage, uh, it, but it's a learned skill. Yeah. I think um, I think the introversion, creative side type of the magic piece mm. lives with writing, but it removes the standing on the stage piece that yeah. goes along with magic. Right? Yeah. Um, sure, you could create magic and 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 be a YouTube magician, or you can create magic and not have to stand on a stage. Um, you know, be behind the scenes, write material for other magicians, whatever. Uh, but it's it's the creative outlet, the expressive outlet, the uh, the still connecting with an audience mm-hmm. piece. You know, because yeah. there there is a reader that I'm writing to, yeah. and without the uh, social awkwardness, without the travel, without the headaches, you know, without the travel. So yeah. <laughs> so the um, back to your question, I think. Um, I'm more a uh, wannabe writer than a wannabe speaker. I think the speaking sort of funds the writing habit. Interesting. You know what I mean? And not that I don't enjoy the speaking. Yeah. You know, it's not that, uh, you know, as an identity question, mm. am I a speaker or a writer? I go writer, you know? 
Yeah, it's so, and, that, and that's where I think you and I, with such a similar background and, and everything else, would would diverge because I still feel most at home in front of a live audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and writing, I, I write well because I have a philosophy degree, which is just a writing degree. I mean, it's just we just we mm-hmm. wrote like sixty, we wrote sixty pages a week for four years. I mean, it was just you know we wrote wow. like, it was a me- every class at w- fulfilled the writing require every philosophy class fulfills the the writing requirement. But yet, I'm sure writing the book was not easy. And then I got to the book and I'm like, I'm a good writer. This will be, I, everyone tells me writing a book is so hard. I'm sure it'll be whatever, a challenge, but it'll be fine. It was a nightmare. I mean, I, it was such a train wreck. And so it took me three years from start to finish to just get that book out. And I, and I realized, oh, I don't want to be a writer. Now, here's the thing. I want to have my work in that medium. Right. I want because it's a different it, even if you have 500 people in front of you on stage, a thousand people, you can't spread an idea nearly as well with a live audience. You can impact the people in that room, right? In a really visceral way, but it doesn't spread out into the world the way that even a blog post can or a book can where you can go thud and drop a book on someone's desk. Yeah, I mean, it's it is a ripple effect and just like real ripples, they sort of Dissip- like the impact dissipates the f- the further out. So a one on one, you know, like my my relationship with my son, the father son relationship is is one on one, and it's heavy investment of time, and it's and it's uh, gut wrenching, and and it's soul shaking, and it's mm-hmm. blissful, and it's all of the above. But there is a great greater opportunity for impact with that relationship versus some stranger who reads a book. You know, so and then standing on a stage live is somewhere in between. So, you know, is it a quantity versus quality question? Is it? But I mean, there are some there are some books and some some writers whose voice, you know, almost transcends the medium and almost feels like it is a one to one. I I I agree. There, I mean, I have books that have profoundly changed my life, and you Mm -hmm. know that that phrase gets a little thrown around a little bit too much these days. But like, there are books that have really truly you know, made an impact and I, and I can, it feels like it was a personal, a one-on-one conversation with the author. It makes you feel so connected with the, with the author. What I'll tell you this too, the, the moments of, of reward, you know, when you feel a a sense of reward based on, on work, right? Mm -hmm. So getting off of a stage to a standing ovation is rewarding. Hearing Mm -hmm. feedback, we, this has been the best and, and, you know, we've been doing this 10 years is the best blah, 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 like all that feedback, the positive feedback is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone saying, you know, this this book changed my life, mm-hmm. it, you know, because <clears throat> I've had that experience, you've had yeah. that experience, and then seeing it like, I've never met you in my life, you know, I have no idea who you are, I don't know what your story is, but I know that experience, and yeah. that's my book sitting right there, and that was, and, and there's something too to be said about um, holding a book that you've written, um, it almost has the, I'm a magician. Like if, yeah. when people see your, it's like, wow, it's still to this day, yeah. as easy it is, as, as it is to write a book and publish a book, yeah. it still has, uh, you know, uh, an aura. The, the, a, a book has a thing about it. It really does. And it's I, a thing that you send into the future. 
You know, yeah. it's, it's that component yeah. too, you know? Yeah, and, and maybe that's the fundamental difference. Being on stage is always in the moment. Like that, that experience with the audience and the way that, even if you've told those stories before, as we all have, you know, the way you transmit it to them in that moment is always unique and it's always, it's always just there and just for them. And that's really special. But a book that's is That's why like they a, buy the book too, at the back of the room. Yeah. They've had that experience, you know? Yeah. So they both, both these experiences certainly, you know, has has different kinds of value, you know. Yeah, but and, but the difference with the book is that the value of the book is that like it's 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 like a time capsule. It's it's like a frozen moment in time. It's how mm-hmm. I like, that's how I feel about mine is that I'm only eight months removed from having published it, and it's like I've already read stuff back in that book that I feel a little bit differently on from when I wrote when I published it eight months ago, Oof. and so it was a slice in yeah. time. Mm-hmm. for me um, and I think that's a cool thing to like you said it's, it sends off, in, off into the future in a way that not, not just for future generations but even your future self like yeah. you said you know yeah and, do you uh, feel that way about your, your first you're, you're a little bit removed from your first book now so, like, so yeah we're like what, is, five years in ma- magic, magic words, words. Yeah. It's, yeah it's sort of the first official which is how I discovered you right right which is a weird thing to say to someone in real life but it's how I discovered <laughs> you the author you know before you know we met personally um, how do you feel about magic words now? Um, I still like magic words. There are, there are some chapters that while I was writing, uh, they're painful to write. It feels, feels like grind, you're grinding. I'm grinding through something. I'm grinding through something. And those are the chapters that I don't quite resonate with mm. as much anymore. Not so much the content. I feel like because it's so research heavy, um, it's yeah. it's very much like science based and crazy cite like all kinds of citations and stuff like it's it's different from Flip the newer book which is more stream of consciousness yeah. story based applied Magic Words is is dense it it, it actually surprised right. me with how many citations there were I mean it's, it's just it's it's full which right, is great right, if, right. if if you're into like I want this to be a hundred percent research based and I mean that's what right. what that was um can you can, let's back up a second though um can you let folks know who are listening to this or watching this perhaps um you know what is magic words what what's the book about you know so I am fascinated with tiny levers making big changes and having big impact. Tiny little, tiny difference here, big change here. Not just from an efficiency standpoint, you know, like less effort, greater result. Um, Because we can all change the words we say. We can all do that. You know, it's it's not, uh, it doesn't cost any extra money. doesn't take any extra time. You don't need any more education. Like you can just, you can simply change the words you say. It's not... um, it's not a big deal, but in many ways, it's like the big deal, like how we communicate and how we express and how we get what's up here in my head out into the world, into the heads of other people. And, you know, because at the end of the day, communication is ridiculously difficult. Yeah. And the part of the brain that, that does the speaking, right, the part of the brain that processes the speech part is quite literally a different region of the brain and a different process of the brain that does the listening. Yeah. So it's almost like two different languages in our own head. So there's a language barrier just from speaker to listener, even if you're both speaking English. Uh, and, and what fascinates me is 
like almost the words in between the words. If you look at the list of words, yeah. yes, but if, you know, because someone's name, help, thanks, these are all simple words that are almost like ignored by a lot of people. And, it, you know, it's when you, when you start peeling the onion layers back and you start seeing, oh, this isn't just a word, you know, this is a, a concept or this is an idea or this is a, um, a bridge or this is this, like the word yes, for example. It's, we say it all the time, you know. Yeah. We like to say yes and we like to hear yes, right? Yes is indicative of acceptance, which is one of our deepest human needs. So when we hear yes, it has a bigger impact. It's a tiny lever that, that, that flips, a, you know, makes a big difference. Um, someone's disagreeing with you. You're having a big argument. You don't say, no, you're crazy. You don't start with that, you know, yes, and, or, or yes, I hear what you're saying. You begin from that place of agreement. So it, it sort of scratches this deep itch that we have, you know. And I think all, all these magic words that I've come across are rooted in what makes us human. You know, what makes us, like, the fact that we desire approval and acceptance. Mm -hmm. The fact that we desire causality and reasons behind why am I going to do, don't just tell me to do something, give me a reason why. What's behind that? Why do we need that reason why? So the, the words, you know, as a list, if you just hear the list, it's not going to change your life. Right. I'm just going to work these words in and suddenly get better results. Because. Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> and, and every speech I do at the end of the speech, you know, it, it, when I was a magician, people would say, can you make my mother-in-law disappear? <laughs> After the magic word speech, people just walk up and say, Tim, that was terrific because, and this, and they just throw a, a yeah. sentence full of magic words crammed <laughs> into a giant <laughs> ball and they throw it at me. You yeah. missed the point. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, no, it's yeah. it's uh it's an, it's they're they're c connecting in their way or whatever so. no ab absolutely yeah. I, you, you and i are sharing a laugh about that uh, yeah, because yeah. that's what people do but but that is actually one of the greatest compliments i get people walk up to me even if they're not gonna even if they're rushing off to the next thing at the conference they run up to me and they go i like your hat and even then they take off wearing it right yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and because it was it became this code word from you know from you know christ it's on here you know yeah. from from that, so like I totally get that they watched that, me like, they, they yes, made that connection. And they were in that Tim, shared space. You know. <laughs> that's the that's a simple takeaway. You know, yeah. this condensed this hour long presentation. But you know, so it's it, it's certainly not a list of words. Magic words is not a list of words. It is uh, in many ways a list of uh, again what makes us human and and how to tap into how to push those buttons in our brain that are already there, been there forever. Push yeah. those buttons in a way that that creates. Um, more authentic, true, genuine connection, which sounds counterintuitive that a technique creates a more authentic connection. Isn't it that, yeah, I, I, I feel that rub too all the time. And that, you know, that if you learn these techniques, almost like these tricks, like, like, like communicative tricks, yeah. you will connect better in a more meaningful, authentic way. And I, I but they are, really are just tools though. And I feel like this stuff is learned. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't learned it, if you haven't been taught it, um, then you just, you have a smaller toolbox, you have less tools in it, and that we have like this inner life that we want to be able to communicate with other people, but but the primary way we do that is with language. And if you don't have these tools, because language is a skill. I mean, like, like, I mean, maybe language isn't a skill. Communication is a skill. And you need to get 
through communication to get to connection to connect with somebody, right? Yeah, I, I think, and this is what I, I was I was up late last night talking to my dad and my brother about this, and and you know we we hear people complain to us a lot about other people. Yeah, this person's driving me crazy. I can't get through to this person. It's frustrating. I don't get it. Yeah. They're so emotional. And they don't get that A plus B equals C. Like it's plain as day. They don't get it. And it's like, well, why are you using why are you using logic to approach this emotional situation? Well, because that's my tool. Like that's that's what I have. I have a hammer. So I'm gonna go hit hit stuff with this hammer, because that's what I know, you know? And and we got to this debate of, well, listen, is it possible? Like we talked about yes earlier. Like, is it possible to say to this person who's driving you crazy, yes? You know, I, I understand that why you feel this way. Well, but I don't. Okay, is it possible then to find something that you do understand? I understand that you're upset. I mean, obviously they're upset. And and it got to the point, the, the debate boiled down to the choice between what I call, I, I call it misplaced authenticity, right? I think people are authentic in, on the, in the wrong place, right? You have two options to be authentic, okay? Yeah. You have... Uh, an authentic, these are my feelings, right? Um, I'm angry, so I'm going to punch you in the face. That's my authentic reaction. I'm yeah. angry, I'm going to punch you in the face. But yet, you are my cousin, my brother, my my friend, my coworker, and I value that relationship. Yeah. So I'm being inauthentic to valuing the relationship, but authentic in the moment. It's just a misplaced authenticity. So what people... Uh, I feel struggle with is the idea of, you know, people come up with phrases like fake it till you make it (laughs) so that they can compartmentalize this feeling of being phony. It's not being phony. It's that you're learning something new and it's just not natural, you know, for you. But the desire to learn something new is rooted in the desire to connect with this person and have an ongoing relationship with this person. And that's authentic. That's authentic. So, you know, we say, I'm sorry even when we know we're wrong. I mean, we were right. Yeah. We say, I'm sorry, because the relationship matters to us and we're authentic to the relationship versus the details of the, you know, who's right, who's wrong, and what what really, what matters, you know? So I, uh, for a long time, I, I, I wonder, because this idea of, you know, when Magic Words comes out, even the New York Times, we're like, what this magic words that manipulate people? What is it? Oh, this guy is a magician who lies for a living. And you know, so the ethics question has come up from day one. Yeah. When you when you talk about influence, you invoke the uh, the ethical conversation. It's mm-hmm. just going to happen. It's going to be part of it. And and it's a if you're not having the conversation, there's trouble. Uh, if you're not yeah. worried about the ethical piece at all, you know, there's an issue there. I think. Um, but at the end of the day. You know, we we have to do what sits well with us, but also, ah, uh, but also moves uh, not sits well with us so well that it's we're just stuck in our ways. And I don't care. I'm mad. I'm gonna punch you in the face. That's just that's just who I am. Like when people say that, oh, that's just yeah. who I am. You know, that, they've given up. They 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 yeah. have one tool. It didn't work. They're out of ideas. They give yeah. up. Everyone else is a jerk. And, and frustrating to them. So w- the way I view it is this, as your, as your understanding of other people, as your understanding, and, and when you start placing authenticity in the right place, 
stress starts to go down. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's the frustration starts to come down. And some people would just so much rather be right, just so much rather be right than be uh, happy. And, yeah. you know, uh, or, or, be, or be connected to, a, to another human being, you know, in that one particular place, happiness aside. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think that's a can of worms, man. That yeah. is a huge can of worms. And I don't know what kind of uh, res- resolution there is in, the, in Flip, in the book. I just sum it up. Be as calculating as you are genuine. Be as calculating mm-hmm. as you are genuine, you know. And, and it's, it's, again, it's a counterintuitive thing. Um, there's another guy I saw recently too, who talks about, you know, if, if your technique is technique, there's that word again. Um, let's say your body language, let's say, let's say your body language is off. Well, I'm cold. This is just how I feel right now. You know, I'm folding my arms across my chest and just really scowling. Well, I don't feel that way inside. Well, you know, there's a disconnect. So what, what's ethical? What is ethical? You aligning you know, yeah. inward for outward, uh, or, or you just, I don't know, I don't know, just being quote unquote, your authentic self and, and not acknowledging other people exist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, know. I, I, I think you really hit on it though. I mean, like, I mean, like, like that idea that, well, this is how I am. So I'll just be how I am. And why are you reacting like that? It's like, like you said, if you're sitting with your arms crossed, and, and someone's talking to you and you're staring at the floor, this might be because you're cold and you listen better with, you know, and you, you listen better, right? When you, when you don't watch them or something like that. But the way it feels to the person talking is that you're not interested. And there, there's the rub is that they feel like you're not interested. So there's a breakdown here. So if you're, if this is you trying to listen hard, yeah. but what it's accomplishing is them feeling like you're not engaged. And here's the, here's the worst part. Yeah. The worst part is that person's feelings are wrong. That you are not disinterested. That person is wrong. So, who bears the responsibility to make that bridge, to repair that bridge? The person who is sending the wrong signals, or the person who is interpreting the wrong signals incorrectly? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's. And this is why, this is why I cannot imagine how any communication ever happens, ever. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like well, any successful communication. And, and and I would, I'm not ambiguous on on answering that question, though. I 100 percent think it's on it's on the communicator, the person who's trying to do the communicating. It's 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 on it's your intention doesn't matter as much as the way it's being received. And so you you know that's how I feel about it. Is that yeah. you need to go out of your way to make sure that you're communicating in a way that it's being received the way you want it to be received. Like that's how I, that's how I feel. I, yeah. I mean, as, as a, as a primarily a leadership speaker, yeah. you know, as primarily someone who interacts with, with uh, bosses who are responsible for gaining compliance, their biggest frustration is I said to do this, they didn't do this. And, you know, I'm like, well, did you, did you try something else? Well, like, yes, I said this, again <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, well you know maybe you know who whose responsibility well they're getting they're getting paid they need to they should do it well in a perfect world you know but how's that working for you you know yeah. dr phil approach yeah yeah so like you know it's who's responsible for for the effort 
you know, in, 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 in these cases. And I think the person who's responsible, I always look at it as whoever, whoever I'm asking, it's their responsibility. Yeah. You know, if I'm asking you, it's yours. If I'm asking this person, it's theirs. You know, it's, um, it's that ownership of, you know, because we, we all have to own our, our piece of it. And we have a bigger piece than, than, we, might, than we, might, we might realize. Let me drill into this a little bit, though, because y- y- you've bounced around a question that I, I get asked as part of my programs all the time, that I ask myself all the time. So I'd love to get your answer. And you've been dancing around it, which is when you bump up against somebody that you, you – I gave an example a few minutes ago when you were like – uh, to say, I understand. And like, but I don't understand, right? I don't understand them. So my question is, we desire connection. That is a fundamental human attribute, right? Um, how do you connect with somebody that you don't understand? It's easy to connect with someone that you you align with their values and beliefs. You came from a similar upbringing. That's right, easy. Right, right. Yeah. But how do you connect with someone that you you don't understand? Well, I think, uh, I think the question in it, in itself is a step in the right direction. Um, you know, if you're asking, how do I connect with this person that I don't understand? I mean, you can put in a magic word right there and just say that I don't understand yet. Just the very virtue of that word yeah. may, may, and, and, you know, understanding, understanding helps as well. So for example, uh, in the book Flip, we talk about the four levels of influencing people, hence the name Flip. And there is this what I call true hierarchy of influence. And this hierarchy has these four levels that we're talking about. And, you know, the, the, the first base level uh, level is T for, you know, true, uh, stands for technique. The right words, the right place, the right body language, blah, 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 blah. Uh, that's the stuff everybody usually wants to ask me on podcasts. Hey, how do you get somebody to eat their vegetables? You know, and how do you, <laughs> what word do you say to, you know, and I've had all, after Magic Words came out, man, unbelievable, uh, people, how they wanted to apply it, you know, mm. lawyers, how do I, how do I, hey, how do I, uh, how do I persuade and influence juries? Um, how mm. do I influence jury selection? How do I trick this person into saying that? How do I, you know, poker players, how do I, how do I influence my opponents to believe it's a tell when it's really not? It's a oh, pseudo fake tell. Um, this is it, where ethics start to come in. in this is where Flip came from, is, is the years following magic words, all these questions. I had a, I had a, a company, it was a marketing um what do you call it? like a marketing consultancy and like, mm-hmm. Hey, we have this, this client, uh, we can't tell you who it is. Um, but we, you know, when you were a magician, like tell me about when you were getting heckled and how do you sell beer to children? <laughs> <laughs> like they started like trying to work around the issue and everything like that. But they're like, yeah, this client, their, their beer is viewed as like an old person thing. And we want to be like cool with the kids. I'm like, Oh, Oh, this is a lot of money. This is a lot of money that I'm about to say no to. <laughs> oh my gosh. But um, so, you know, you try to find those lines in yeah. those moments. So uh, long story short, techniques, those are quote unquote, the fun part. That's the instant result. That's the quick, you know, the, as a magician, you change one line in your script. Oh my God. Huge laugh all of a sudden. Yeah. One night to the next, same, yeah. same everything else. What One word. Holy cow. That's a, what happened there? Uh, so techniques are the fun part. But it's just level one. You know, it's just like now you're just in the game. You, ju- you have a couple of tools now. Okay, well, you have no idea how to build anything. You still just got a couple of tools. The next level above that is relationship. I mean, relationship trumps technique. No matter, Oprah could go on TV and, and blunder her way through any kind of anything and people will flock to whatever she's talking about even if she's messing up everything, right? 
So relationship Trump, Trump's technique. Mom is going to buy her the Girl Scout cookies from the daughter instead, even though she can get them cheaper at Walmart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that relationship beats technique. That's yeah. why we call it a hierarchy. It's just one level beats the next. But you, T-R-U, is understanding, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you have a good relationship with someone, but you just, like you said, you just hit it off with them. Right? It's, it's natural. You come from the same background. You speak yeah. the same quote-unquote language. You have the same quote-unquote religion of what, you know, in uh, whatever that, uh, however that's applied, you know, uh, philosophy, whatever. And, and it's a natural connection, yeah. right? So the, the question is, how do you connect with somebody you don't understand? Well, you realize, once again, that understanding has levels as well. And it's possible to gain not just understanding of an individual, because this individual I don't understand. I don't understand this individual. But can I understand, if I just understood the, you know, the culture that they were from, if I just understood their tribe a little bit, I would yeah. get a little bit of a, if I zoomed out a little bit more, you know, if I zoomed out a little bit, if I understood just how the human brain works and how psychology and how, you know, uh, and, yeah. and what is going on that is really causing this behavior, Here's a perfect example of understanding. This guy on the road is driving me crazy. He's I'm going bananas here. He's 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 swerving, and I, I hate him. Yeah. And then you you drive up, and you see there's a lady given in, in labor in the back seat, and he's trying to get to the hospital. <laughs> Boom! Understanding goes yeah. up, stress goes down. Right? Understanding yeah. goes up, stress goes down. So the uh, the answer is you you get at that understanding you you chase down that understanding right you use the the avenues and the vehicles that you have available to you maybe not for this time but maybe for next time and and some of that understanding you know in the book i have this uh it's like a looks like a target like a bullseye and there's mm -hmm. four rings of understanding you know going from individual all the way up to human you know yeah. as a species um but you i mean you can you can do your best. You can talk to that person. I mean, people say, talk it out, talk it out. You know, you're having a conflict with somebody, talk it out. Right, but I don't get them. I don't get them, you know? Ask them. They, they, don't, they don't speak my language. I don't understand their, their culture, where they're coming from whatsoever. Well, that's what you got to go and find out. You know, if, or, and there's also a time, there's also a time and a place where a relationship is either unsalvageable or not worth salvaging yep. and and yeah you know you may have uh you know economists look at sunk costs mm -hmm. i've invested 90 million dollars into this project 10 million more to go i've just realized this is a bad project mm -hmm. it's only 10 million more i gotta finish this project i've invested 90 million dollars <laughs> into this project nope you know what i mean <laughs> but if you started at zero it's a whole other project but and you know, ten yeah. million dollar project. You haven't started yet. It's a ten million dollar project. You don't yeah. you don't start that knowing, you know. Yeah. So if you can make decisions based in the present, say, look, this is a person I've known for thirty years. Would I, knowing what I know now about them, about the situation, is this? In other words, is this a toxic relationship? Do I yeah. still, you know, uh, initiate a relationship? knowing what I know about this person. And many times it's a forced situation. It's family. It's a coworker. Yeah. You've got to see them every single day. So that's when we start, you know, we start unpacking some of the other, 
you know, more advanced. Yeah. Stuff as, as you're talking about that, it just makes me think of for the last two years in, in the States, all we've been dealing with, with the political discourse, and I don't want to get into the politics of it, but all, I, I think this is the fundamental breakdown of what's going on is we've got, we've got people who all essentially want the same thing. We want a safe, happy, you know, country uh, and, and families and communities. And uh, you got just people just screaming back and forth yeah. and past each other, not even at each other because, there's this idea that they're so other that you can't even talk to them anymore. Yeah, and that's why I said the value in the question is how do I understand or get, understand that person that I don't understand? Because most people ask the opposite question. How do I get them to understand me and my point of view? Yes. And that's, you're dead in the water. Game right. over. You yeah. lose right away. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why there's value in the question. How do I create more understanding? Yeah. You know? We've been talking a lot about understanding and people and connection. And we, you just went to the toxic kind of relationships. So I want to like kind of completely bounce all the way to the other side and ask you if you've got um, a story. This whole podcast is about chance encounters, the lasting impact, the ripple effect, which is something that you've already, you already mentioned, you know, the kind of ripples. Um, do you have a story personally or professionally of someone that you met and either you had a great impact on them or are they on you or, or, or both? I guess hindsight, if you really look at it, that like my parents met, for example, like it's crazy oh, yeah. that all of the, you know, and the parents before them and the, like this, it's, it's bananas when you think about <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. it. Is. Yeah, statistically so impossible. How, yeah. And every single person that you meet, it's like, oh, they're, they exist in this yeah. century that I'm, that I exist in. And they're also in this very place right now. And they're also, you know, they also like this hat, yeah. you know, like, so yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's so many things that, you know, but I would say it was a uh, a mentor, you know, and it was just, it was a mentor that mentored me from a distance. Mm. I had a chance moment with him, a, a, a day, you know, I, I, it, was a, it was a coaching sort of program. I invested in this day with him. And, um, but the fact, it was way more money than I had at the time. It was, it, he, he said no at first. He's not going to take me as a client. I got just, it was uh, it was a, it was years, years of, of, it was going to happen here. Nope. Then it was going to happen here. And it, it sort of things finally came to a head, met with this guy. He said some things, right place, right time, maybe even the same message, but changing the messenger sometimes has value. Mm. Sometimes the fact that you're paying this guy a ton of money and actively asking his advice, I'll listen to the same thing my dad would have told me with way more intention and it therefore has become better advice, you know? Yeah. It's that self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. But it, I would say him, his name is Rob Berkeley. He, he unfortunately passed away. Um, he, had, uh, he, he had cancer, but you know, he, um, it's funny too, because the, the, the picture like on, on his memorial website, you know, he's standing in front of a bookshelf and Magic Words is, is behind uh-huh. it on, on, uh-huh. on his bookshelf, but along with all these other people that he yeah. had similar encounters with but you know the things uh, he said the way he said it um you know sometimes it's uh, little mindset shifts is all all it takes so was there any anything really like really aggressively stand out like a, a particular piece of advice or a push in the right direction even if oh, yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound yep. like groundbreaking out loud? yeah no it, so it was simple it was um it was more of a like whoosh, a one fell swoop you know, you're a magician, dude. What you think is possible is just <laughs> this. 
Are you serious? And and it just opened it just opened the floodgates on a whole uh, on 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 every other aspect of life. You know, it, yeah. it made me question why why am I not? You know, and why not in this area? And why not in this area? And why not in this area? You know, who who goes and thinks they can who goes and thinks they can write a book? I mean, honestly, who does that? And and yeah. what I mean by that is like who 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 thinks that they're going to go and write a book that someone's going to read or someone's going to publish. Okay, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Like, it, there, yeah. Is, there is, you know, I mean, and, and I know we're both authors, so I'm not, you know, I'm, uh, it's a self-deprecating, if anything else, but it's like, you know, there is a crazy ego inherent in, you want to you wanna read my words or, you know, and yeah. pay money to read my words and you're going to publish this and give me an advance. And, when, you know, like... When people reach out to me online... Uh, or nowadays come to a live presentation and say, um, I've read your book and it did this or it did that. I can't believe there's a real... I've seen the numbers. I know people have right. bought it. Yes, 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 yes. I know yes, yes. bought it. But when someone goes, I read your book and in this chapter you said this thing and that made me do this the next day and I uh, I met three new people today uh, because of whatever. I, I, I have a moment where I'm like, oh my God, you actually read it? Like somebody right. read it? <laughs> right. It is surreal. It is yeah. surreal. And... Um, you know, but at the same time, in in the same breath, um, it's also doable. I mean, there's people who do this. Yeah. I mean, how many books come out of every day for, oh, for crying out loud? You know, overload. So it's um, you know, certainly uh, certainly a doable thing. You yeah. Know? And uh, but yeah, that that not only yes you can, it's it's like absurd that you think you can't and that you're aiming so low. Yeah. That's absurd. Uh, it was. I would say that's. That one, and it's one sentence in the course of one day, in the course of this many years of, of, you know, trying to arrange that moment, you know, yeah. and taking. And I had to call in a favor from a friend, and you know, he almost couldn't make. His mom was in the hospital. He he did that day with me. Uh, you know, his mom was sort of just kind of stable, stable, you know, like that. And he's like, all right, listen, I'm never, I never do this, but I'm gonna have my phone here while we're, talking, you know, like so all the reasons it couldn't have happened. You know him passing. You know all that stuff, uh, and yet, yeah, I'd call that. I'd call that chance. You know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I have a bunch of kind of moments from your books. I'd actually like to talk about Flip a little bit more. Um, but before I, there's, there's a few things that I'd really like to hear about from from Flip because I'm, I'm fascinated by this. But but I have quotes, so that, I know it's it's hard right, to right, remember right. what you wrote, isn't it? When people when people ask me about things in my book, I'm always like, I hope I can remember what they're talking about because right. <laughs> it took three years to write that. <laughs> Part of the reason I use like acronyms, you know, the true hierarchy of influence, right. the itch <laughs> targets, you yeah. know, like all these, yeah, yeah, things, yeah. All these things. Um, so I do want to ask about a few of those, but let me just tag one more when you were you just said you know that was chance and you and I from our private conversations you know that's something that's on my mind a lot recently is luck Mm -hmm. and um I kind of just I've been asking everybody that I think is really smart lately uh this question uh first do you believe in luck and and you know to what extent do you actually believe we can influence luck you know can we be can we make ourselves more lucky? Because you said it was chance, but you also in the same kind of sentence were like, and I went out of my way to do this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. And yeah, like w- there was luck involved, right? But how much of it was actually? Well, Luke Skywalker blows up the Death Star. Any one of those blasters could have knocked him out of the sky. You know, he had to 
fly the route and use the force and his team had to, you know, but was that a lucky shot? You know, right. I, so, I mean, in, I, I don't know how to answer that question. And I think therein is, is part of the reason I'm excited for you to write this book mm. and, and, prov- and shed some light because what I do know is that there are two camps. There is a camp of people who believes luck is, is it. It's all it is. And what I need to do is I need to place my intention so that when luck shows up, I'm ready for it, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's that, you know, maybe you call it the secret, maybe you call it manifestation, maybe you call it, you know, prayer or whatever. There's that person who is like, just going to put it out there and, and I'll get lucky, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe they don't call it luck. Yeah. but And then there's the other person who is like, F that, hard work, mm-hmm. step one, step two, step three, best practices, do this, do that, make it happen, right? Yeah. And, you know, neither one is right. You know, I'm not, it, it's, I, I'm not convinced by either of those. Right. That's that's the rub, right? So, so what it, now? If you make me put a number on it, what percentage is luck? What percentage is yeah. it's? Is it different for every situation? Is it different mm. for every person? Is it different for every? You know, and and I don't I don't know the answer to that. But what I do know is that luck is because it's difficult to quantify, because it's difficult to you 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 can't isolate it. You can't yeah. because, and, which is why some people will say that's a miracle and other people will be like, no, that's just birth. That's just the birth process. And this happens and this happens and that happens. Yeah. And some people will say, well, that was so lucky. And other people will say, well, no, you are the, that was when opportunity met a prepared mind. You did right. this, you did this, you did that. So you can't isolate it. You can't, you can't point to it and say that is luck. That's what it is. That was a lucky mm-hmm. thing. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I, I have no answers. I'll look forward to reading yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, asking, I'm asking all the smart people yeah. I know about it. Do, do you feel like you've been lucky? Uh, I kind of have to. I kind of have to feel that way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a matter of, you know, uh, I mean, look, if I look at my life and I look around at the lives of the majority of planet Earth, yeah. you know, I am clearly lucky. Yeah. I also, you know, as, as a writer, I work largely from home you know i travel very little now uh, compared to when i was a magician doing 300 350 shows a year always on the road and then have a panic attack again i know right um <laughs> the i feel like well i've worked very hard to be this lazy <laughs> <You know? laughs> so uh, you yeah. know i i feel both i feel the sense of you know hard work doesn't the sense of hard work and i earn this does not lead me to gratitude the sense of I am lucky leads me to gratitude. That one feels better, you know, because it, it leads me to gratitude. Um, and, and gratitude is like, uh, thanks, magic word, thanks. It's, it's, the, it's the most beautiful magic word uh, because it's the one that is beautiful when you say it and it's beautiful when you hear it, mm-hmm. you know. So, and, and you know, look into the, the, the gratitude research. Like you said, the book's very dense. There's a lot of reasons to be grateful. Yeah. So as a feel good, you know, I would say uh, I'm lucky. Yeah. I'm lucky. Yeah. Uh, right towards the beginning, you told a story of picking roses um, on the street. Do you remember the story? Uh, this really encapsulated so much of what the book is about for me. Can can you kind of give us a rough version of that story? Uh, sure. Yeah, I tell this story all the time. Um, 
buying flowers as a gift for my wife. She graduated college, very proud of her. This is how you show you buy the most expensive bouquet, uh, especially when the father of the bride is standing right next to you, right? <laughs> so uh, we've always had that friendly rivalry, you know. Um, my favorite example is in the book, you know, I, uh, I'll just leave it as a mystery, but uh, he's a funny guy. So anyway, we, uh, we, we walk on, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm gonna hold off till after lunch, I don't wanna carry these around. We go to lunch, we come back, he sees another flower vendor who was very sort of uh, the opposite of the flower vendor that I went to. You know, I went to the crowd where everybody's, you know, he's shouting $20 for these, $10 for these, $5. And there's a big crowd around and people are shoving money into his hand and he's like, just like a carnival barker. This other guy on the other side of the street is, you're not even sure he's supposed to be there. Flowers, anybody need flowers? He doesn't even have flowers. He has a cooler by, him, by, his, by his feet and he's just sort of, and he looked like uh, it was illegal whatever he was doing, you know, like he, he shouldn't be there. <laughs> And uh, so my father-in-law smells an opportunity and he opens up, the guy opens up the cooler. And he's like, well, here's what I got. And he pulls out this beautiful bouquet, this beautiful bouquet of roses that made my $25 saran wrap wrapped, you know, just wilted roses look embarrassing, you know? It's like, oh, these are beautiful. How much for these? And the guy says, $20. So this is so mad. <laughs> Less money, better deal. Um, and it, and it was, he even had better service because as soon as I told him my story, I'm like, that guy over there is selling them for 25 for this. He takes my flowers, adds his beautiful flowers, adds the baby breath, the ribbon, you know, the nice sort of flower case, wraps it all up, free. Here you go, done. And oh, I'm like, God. okay, better price, better service, yet you forced me to settle for second best because you wouldn't open your mouth and let me know that you were here, you know? Mm. So I think... I think the, like you said, the crux of is influence an ethical pursuit, you know? Uh, you know, I sort of end the story with, hey, this, this, book, is, this book is for nice flower guy, you know? Because I think yeah. we need more nice flower people to have a louder voice. Uh, yeah, and I think that comes right back to where this whole conversation started all the way at the beginning. It's, it's that ethical question and, and when that, that idea of influence being something that's kind of sleazy or you're making people do stuff. And it's like, yeah, it can be used for that. Like, right, before you brought up Star Wars, like the force can be used for light <laughs> or for dark, right? But like, but in all seriousness, though, like the like communication is really powerful. Language is really powerful. Um, I, I, I've, I've taken this to, uh, recently I've been thinking about this and, I, and I've, I've had a, a bit of an aha moment with this. Uh, the true hierarchy of influence, we've only gotten T, R, and U, techniques, relationship, and understanding. Mm -hmm. E is the one that trumps them all and that's ethics. It's not just a matter of you have to, you know, you have to be influential, but oh, gosh, by the way, just to appease people, you know, you probably should throw some ethical components into what you're doing here. Like we're a company. Oh, look, we're green. We recycle this one thing. Uh, it's not a token thing that you just add in. Yeah. What happens when you, and, and ethical influence is not using sleazy influence techniques as a means to a positive end. Okay. Mm. It's not the ends justify the means. The problem is when you use the sleazy unethical means, your influence drops you you become a person who um, the techniques are influential, right? And when when you reach the fourth tier in in the fourth level of influence, 
It's not that the tech, you are now an influential person. You are a person who doesn't do influence, you have influence, right? So, and, and the only way to get that, and, and Adam Grant talks a lot about this in his book, Give and Take, he yeah. really, really did a, a, a fantastic job of uh, convincing, you know, nice guys do finish last, but they also finish first, you know? Yeah. In the short game, in a 100-yard dash, sleazy guy is going to win. In the marathon, the ethical guy is going to win. Yeah, so the, the, the aha moment is that yeah. it's not good enough to use influence just to an ethical end because the process of, it, of influence itself also has to be ethical every step of the way, right? Yeah. It's not an ends justify the means kind of, kind of way. And it's, again, this is not a moral argument. Like th- yeah. I never wrote this book to, to lay out a moral argument and, and to you know, say, you know, let's, let's all be nice people. <laughs> um, I truly wanted to know what makes you the most, you know, the person of influence. Like, what is it? You know, what, what is it that you say, you know, and well, it's not just technique. And that's where this hierarchy developed, you know? So it's, yeah. it's much more than that. And, and the ethics is, it's, you know, it's central. It, it has to be from the beginning through to the end. And then, it, then it's more effective. You know, it's more effective. So where do we, uh, where do we find, uh, where do you want folks to go find you these days? I would say uh, timdavidspeaks.com. It's probably a good home base. We just lost the video. Did you okay. hear that? Tim David. <laughs> we still have audio. Thought we're, you had a we're good. Um, yeah, timdavidspeaks.com. It's probably a good, it's a good home base. It's got, um, you know, information on, on, on the speaking programs. You know, how do we help? How do we help our workplace? Uh, you know, again, I primarily do leadership stuff. I'm asked to do a lot of sales stuff. I'm asked to do a lot of the how do we sell in an ethical manner and how do we, you know, connect better with our clients and our customers? How does our sales leaders connect better with, you know, and motivate the, the troops better? Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, I think the, the, the home run swing, the wheelhouse for me is, is leadership. People who have a team of people that they need to play nice together and they're forced into a cage and they're either going to eat the, each other alive, uh, or they're going to, uh, you know, yeah. thrive and do something amazing. Is some someone in in who's looking for more on on leadership are are they better off starting with magic words or flip? Oof, I, I think I would say that um, it's a it's a personal preference. With flip, there was a companion book at the time. It was called True Influence for Leaders, and it literally is. It's like a 180 page. It's like, it's bigger than flip. It's it's bigger and longer than (laughs) than the actual original book. Um, So there's less direct stories. Cause I, I mean, again, I just, I was collecting stories of uh, I magic words. And this to answer your question, magic words is data driven, practical, say this, this is what you can expect. Here's how it is received in the human brain. Here's the science behind what happens when you hear your name. Did you know that your initials can actually determine major life decisions? Like, what? 
What, so are you serious? And when, when you hear your name, uh, something happens in your brain that yeah. it's just we don't understand. But we have mountains of data to suggest that people who, whose name is, is Chris prefer Coke to Pepsi because it's got the same first letter in the name. So like, Research is so ridiculous. It, right. And, and uh, it, you know, and it's one of the most, but it has, the name letter effect is one of the most consistent find in the whole book. You know, yeah. it's one of the most, you know, as far as the number of, because people keep going back to it. They're like, no, no, they didn't do it right. Let's try this. Holy shit. No, wow. <laughs> that is, that Larry's become lawyers more often than, than, than John. Are you serious? Major life decisions of like, yeah, it's crazy. Do, do, you, do you have anything, just curiosity for the show notes um, on, on the website, uh, is there a direct link outside of, the, I know it's in Magic Words. Is there like a link you could give me before this end up, ends up going out? Uh, to that research at all that people if they want to check that out like directly um, I'm going to link them to your books obviously yeah I mean like, there's mountains of it you just, yeah. I mean if you want to google name letter effect you can yeah. start sifting through okay. it um, some of the primary research studies you know the original you know you don't want to necessarily go on psychology today and read an article that somebody like me just wrote you know you want to if you want to go to the primary research yeah. research sources then that, that's all cited yeah. in magic Words. I mean yeah right um, it, it, it's all in there which you know go to a go to a bookstore flip through you know you know yeah but um that is one of the things in my yeah. speeches that just blows people away and you yeah. know when you're writing an email tell tell tom that your product is terrific and tell fran that it's fantastic and it's you so know we commandeer the brain's attention uh and and use Obviously, hi, Jim. That should be at the beginning of every email. Like, and forget as a technique. What does that do? Like, I acknowledge you as a person. That's why. That's why you know I talked about magic words having a, a root in what makes us human. We all want to be acknowledged as individuals. We want to be valued as individuals. We don't want to just be a number or another spam email that you're blasting out. We want to be seen and acknowledged and valued as an individual. You know. So it's simple using a name. I mean, if that's gonna take a leap in that direction you know what's so funny about about that stuff and this may be a weird tangent right at the end of this but like (laughs) what's so funny about that stuff is and i've read all the i'm sure you've read all the same studies that those techniques the tactics the tricks quote unquote they work even when you know they're doing it yes and what's amazing is that i'll get an email from you know a weekly email from one of the you know speakers that i follow or authors that i follow and the first is a you know, hey, Brian, exclamation point. Now, I know because I do email marketing yeah. that she didn't actually write that to me. Right. Everybody got the same email and there was a web, there was a, a, a code, a computer program that shoved my name in there. Yep. I know the trick. I still feel like it's personal when it happens. Yep. It's unbelievable. Yep. And, and within industries too, like uh, the word magic is a magic word for you and I yeah. because yeah. we have... Uh, and similar to our name, you hear your name your whole life, you know, you associate yep. your name with yourself, you associate magic with part of your identity. Yep. Um, but it's also a word that you hear a lot and you know, it's, 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 it's why you saw magic words on the shelf. It's why yeah. I just did another interview earlier today. The guy said the same thing. I, you know, he's another magician. I saw it on the shelf. I had to buy it. Um, yeah. it, it jumps out at you and names are the same way. So, you know, that's, that's magic words. You know, magic words is the the, here's the tactic. Here's why it works. Here's the understanding behind it. Here's you know uh, some studies. You know here's some proof. You know because it's there's some outlandish stuff that yeah. like a little three letter word or a little a word that's just a conjunction or like a why why does that why does that matter and so what if I take that word out of the sentence? Well, I'll tell you what happens. 
You know, the, here's what happens when you remove that little word that you thought was unimportant. Um, so magic words is very much tactical, practical. Um, flip is the accumulated stories of people using influence. Mm. Um, it's accumulation of, of a lot of interviews I've done with people like Robert Cialdini, of people like Chris Voss, the lead hostage negotiator. I was thinking of Voss a few minutes ago, but I didn't want to like step on the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So he, oh, that should be, that should be my chance encounter. Chris Voss should be my chance encounter. Oh, seriously? Oh, you have a Chris Voss story? I have a, yeah, I have a crazy Chris Voss story. If you, will you give me a minute to toss a different memory card in that camera? Or do you want to just tell me right now? Yeah, I mean, I can, I'll take a bathroom break. You want to do that? Okay, because I want to okay, hear the I'm Chris the, Voss story. Yeah, do, do that. Leave the mic on in the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or take it off, whatever you want to do, I don't know. So for, for, for the listener, in case and you're not... Chris Voss never came up. You know, yeah. it was just like, you guys yeah. hit it off. I just yeah. interviewed him and you should... Ha- I'm like, okay. That, well, that, that literally, that's how I met Peter Gazzardi, the legendary book editor, who's, who's by the time anybody's listening to this, will have already heard his conversation this season. Okay. He, he was Stephen Hawking's book editor. Susan oh, Cain, okay. quiet. He was mm-hmm. her editor, Deepak Chopra. Like all these, uh, like he's 40 years in the business, legend. And I finished recording an, uh, a podcast interview we had never talked about him or anything related to him. Turn off, I'm packing things up, we're chatting. And, uh, and she goes, I need to introduce you to my friend Peter. And I'm just like, yeah, your friend Peter, sure. Like, right, let right. me like, introduce me. <laughs> and that's, so, so for the listener who doesn't know, Chris Voss is former lead hostage negotiator for the Now, and we FBI, were on, a, we were right? on, a, we were on a, a thread too where his name came up and... Uh, I was answering a qu- oh I was answering the question which one is for leaders which book yeah so yeah. all right so the um, so flip is a collection of stories interviews yeah. and an exploration more in the practical applied influence working in seemingly impossible situations such as a hostage negotiation you asked earlier how do you connect with that person you just don't see eye to eye to yeah. Chris never is probably never going to see eye to eye to this deranged lunatic who is yeah. holding up a you know a, a train for hostage you know a, a, you know hijacking a train. Yeah. He's not going to like just naturally hit it off with this guy, you know. <laughs> so uh, so he he he's heavily featured uh, in in the in the understanding, and that wasn't in the original book. That was it was after I believe it was after in the second version. But anyway, so for the people who want sort of the uh, the story based, this is. Impossible influence. You're not going to believe what this guy was able to do with uh, sixth grade students and teaching them ballroom dancing, you know, mm-hmm. and how he holds their attention and engages them is, is incredible. And, and this is how he did it. And this is how he does it. So his, you know, stories, interviews, yeah. applied yeah. influence, which was a, actually a potential title for the book, Applied Influence. Oh, yeah. Um, but AI. Yeah, ended up going here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ended up going with flip for some reason. A reader suggested it, and uh, it, uh, things were moving fast. But anyway, so Chris Voss, did you want to? I would love to hear how. I, I mean, I would love to hear the story. You said that should have been my chance encounter. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 fact that I was introduced to Chris in the first place was was a chance encounter, and what Chris said to me. So I was kind of like, he's a very you know he's kind of a New York City cop sort yeah. of persona. And he's a little, he's kind of gruff and to the point and this and that. And uh, so I asked him, you know, after we did our thing and he's talking about, you know, because his whole thing is, well, you got to understand the person. You got to understand the person. You got you to know what their religion is, you know. And I don't mean what God they, he's like, you got to know their religion, their philosophy. You got to know what makes them tick, you know. And so, um, 
you know, I, we, we go through all that and I'm like, all right, listen, hey, how'd you get this gig? How'd you get to become the lead hostage negotiator <laughs> of the FBI? Because, I mean, I'm sure that would, like, that would be, it's just cool to say that, right? Like, how did you just, how did you get that gig, you know? And he's like, well, well, listen, you know, I was a police officer for eight years, you know, police, I was in the law enforcement. I was a psychology major, you know, I got a master's degree in psychology and, you know, I had all these, uh, these training programs and certifications and everything. So when I went to apply, they're like, that, none of that means anything. That is useless. Go volunteer at a suicide prevention hotline for two years and then come back and talk to me. So he did. And he said, greatest empathy training in the universe at a suicide prevention hotline. So I did it. I I went and volunteered at a suicide prevention. Did you really? Yeah, I'm doing it right now. I'm like currently a, I take calls at a suicide prevention hotline. No kidding. And the, I mean, obviously I can't really, uh, you know, we don't really talk about sure, what sure. The, the, the contents of the calls are, but I can agree and say that even the training, even the training, the way they approach this problem is so counter to whatever you think they do. Huh. It's so different. And it is, uh, it, it has led me to this, this, this realization. It's like, oh my gosh. Because of my, I'm, fe- I'm fearful. It took, it took me years to like finally bite the bullet and say, okay, this is the year I'm going to do this. Like, because I try to do something every year that 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 is. I, I'm a writer. I sit home a lot. I want to get out of the house. So <laughs> every year I try to do something different. You know, I'll yeah. take a martial art. I'll, do, I'll learn a language. I'll do something. So this year it was, uh, it was this year. You know, it's, it's years since since the whole process with the, the seed was planted, and um, so the training is you don't. I'm like, what am I going to say? How do we talk somebody out of down off a ledge? How yeah. do you, what do you say to somebody? And the very short answer is you don't talk people out of suicide. You listen them out of suicide. Mm. You don't talk people into a sale. You listen them into a sale. The, the biggest uh, problem with the, the book Magic Words is the focus on the words, right? But the, 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 the redeeming value is that they're these tiny little, I mean, there's mm. just little tiny in-between words. Yeah. So it is the, you know, the 90-10 rule. You are 90% shutting up as a, su- as a suicide prevention, you know, uh, crisis intervention, volunteer, you know, trainee, whatever. Yeah. You shut up 90% of the time. There's a few exceptions. You know, there's because we get some homicidal callers, we get mm. some active situations, we get some like there's a lot of stuff that you can't just use empathy. Uh, you know, you have to kind of like legally like you gotta yeah. get, well, get my to wife's dispatch. A, and, my wife's you know, a therapist, so you understand so, that. Yeah, I got, I got but um, you know, it's, but but for the most part, um, that process, and then so going through the training, and then go and then living it. And, and my, my, my knee-jerk reaction to be like, oh, well, have you tried this? Oh, no. You know? Yeah, that's and advice. Then, and and uh, still leading a conversation with the 10%, but using that, using that 90%, and that's where the therapy happens. And by therapy, I mean, I know your wife's a therapist, but that's where the, yeah, yeah. the, the, the healing, the de-escalation, yeah. the uh, whatever it is, that person 
feels heard, valued, and understood. Yeah. It, and and it's, it's beyond like, again, it's beyond like just active listening. It's beyond just asking probing questions. Like it really is uh, this process that they have. And I just seeing it work over and over again and, and seeing my own body. And I thought it was pretty darnly like well, not only well-trained, but I like, I train on like yeah. listening and, 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 and motivational and influence techniques and all this stuff. So thinking I'm really good at this <laughs> or would be really good at this and being completely thrown for a loop uh, has been, oh God, do I say this word? Like thrilling? But I mean, I know it's a dark topic and yeah, everything like that. I get that. But the, but seeing it work over and over and over again. I mean, because the calls are constant. It's con- it's not you sitting and waiting. And how, lo- how long are you like on a shift when you're doing that? I do a two, ha- two and a half hour shift. So it's because it's volunteer. That's a long time to be taking constant calls like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're on a call. Sometimes you're on a call for 40 minutes. I mean, that's so. like, yeah, that, like that, one call. That, that feels like that would be like emotionally draining. Like, um, so, uh, but yeah, they, so they have these, these, these psychological barriers in place that, that help, help you to compartmentalize um, the, the draining aspect of it. But also the exhilaration of the success successes balance out you know Mm. um but yeah it's um it is a very unexpected training and and a total like you know out of out of left field i do i'm doing a podcast interview somebody says you need to talk to this guy and then talk about changing your life and you know it's been there's a ripple i mean that's yeah that that's a serious ripple oh right right and, and it could ripple even further if I decide now, because I've heard Chris talk about that before. Oh, yeah, and I've been yeah. like, oh, yeah, I should totally do that. But every time I hear him talk about it, I should totally do that. Oh, but yeah. now knowing someone who actually went and did it because of him, that's making me feel like, ah, maybe I really should And it should wasn't even supposed that. to be my thing this year. <laughs> this year, my thing was supposed to be journaling. And I literally, I bought this journal. I got all, you know, January 1st, I open it up and I'm like, question one, what are you, what are you going to contribute this year? How are you going to contribute <laughs> you know, to other people this year. And I'm like, oh. And I just kind of offhandedly, like, I wrote a few ideas down. And then I was like, oh, oh, I, oh, ooh, ooh. This should I, okay, yeah, this is the year. This yeah. This is the time. Okay, well, this maybe, is the one. Maybe you think I should go do that next year? Maybe um, that should be my thing? I think uh, <laughs> the way Chris Voss recommends it to everybody and universally is is the way that I'm beginning to recommend it. Yeah. Universe, and it's not something you you read about, and because there's, there's books like, oh, these are the techniques that we use, and this is uh, I'm with the um, I'm with a well-known organization, and uh, you know these are the techniques. So they they have like you could dip your toe in a little bit. I don't yeah. recommend that. I yeah. don't recommend that um, because you'll you know this won't work, or you'll talk yourself out of it, or what. You've got it. You've got to. You've got to see it. You've got to. It's got to be. You know. It's. I had to be there. You know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would recommend it as a just a human exercise, a human exercise, uh, to make huh. yourself more uh, empathetic. You know, more a uh, better listener, a better problem solver, better influencer. You know, truthfully. Yeah. And um, yeah, profound, profound. Crazy. Crazy. Well, thanks for uh, taking the extra time to to, uh, to share that. You want to uh, go get some dinner? Let's go get some. Let's go get some eats. <laughs> All right, man. Tim, thank you so much for doing this. I really, uh, really appreciate it. My pleasure. So cool. glad I was able to uh, to work out. Before you start verbally slapping people at your next networking event. 
Here are a few takeaways from this episode. First, words matter, way more than we realize. And often it's the words in between the words, the ones we pay the least attention to with the potential for the biggest impact. Second, relationship beats technique, every time. You can spend your life studying communication, influence, and leadership techniques, but in the end, the deeper the connection, the more likely we can achieve understanding. And finally, you don't do influence, you have influence. And the most effective influencers are those who build ethics in right from the beginning. Scammers get short-term wins, but ethical influencers build long-term careers. And that's the true hierarchy of influence. For more of Tim's work, including free resources to become more influential, head to timdavidspeaks.com. Check the show notes for links to Magic Words and Flip, plus anything else we mentioned in this episode. Remember to subscribe to the One New Person podcast via your favorite streaming service on onenewperson.com. And share this or any episode with your friends and colleagues on social media. Use the hashtag OneNewPerson, all spelled out, so we can find you and thank you. Send questions for me or any of my guests to OneNewPersonPodcast at gmail.com. I'm Brian Miller. This is One New Person, and we'll see you next time. I was was in Barbados and... uh... People ask, you know, hey, what do you do? They're actually from Massachusetts. They're like, hey, what do you do? You know, I'm like, well, not, not, not a magician, you know. <laughs> and uh, and they're like, okay. I'm like, well, you know, I used to be. I used to be. I was a professional magician. Did this, did that. And then I had kids. You know, I couldn't be gone. You know, and I have. Uh, it was all during my colleges. I didn't go to college. I never had a job. I have no marketable skills. I have this. And, and the guy, I'm not even halfway through. The guy's like, what about public speaking? <laughs> my wife's like. <laughs> I'm like, what about being a psychic? (laughs) That, That is very funny.